With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Are you ready? To First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony soldier. Call 866 Hey Lars. That's 866 Hey Lars. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. Friday. This is. This is. First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show on my favorite day of the week. That's First Amendment Friday. We open up the phone lines and every subject is fair game. And let me tell you about fair game. I want to start with our X poll. We put up a brand new poll question on X every day from the news of the day. Now, be ready for this one. Usually it's something about taxes, illegal aliens, uh, COVID jabs, whatever it is. This one's kind of crazy, but that's what makes it such a great question. Left-wing scientists are now writing articles saying it's time to erase that old fogey taboo against cannibalism. That's right. Yeah, the left-wing out there, they not only want you eating bugs, are you ready to eat humans? Now, I'm going to answer that one. No, you can answer any way you like. We may get a more solid response on this X poll than we do on most days of the week. Usually, there's a little bit of a split between the yes and the no. How many of you are ready to start eating humans? The article in New Scientist says it is time for a more subtle view on the ultimate taboo, cannibalism. New archaeological evidence shows that Ancient humans ate each other surprisingly often, sometimes for compassionate reasons. The finds give us an opportunity to reassess our views. Now, I think that's absolutely horrific, but you can think whatever you want. As usual, on First Amendment Friday, your phone calls and emails are welcome. And if I get naysayers, you know, folks who disagree, I'm going to put you right to the head of the list at 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. Um, I want to start with something that's a little bit inside baseball. This is the year that I mark 49 years as a reporter or a journalist. I was a reporter. I kept my opinion out. Now I do a talk show. I put my opinion in, but we label it as an opinion show. But I still am concerned about what's happening to journalism. Guess what? 
Third world dictators are the kind of people who like to declare war on the press and individual reporters who are investigating people in power. Well, now it appears that the Biden administration may be doing the same kind of thing. I want to tell you about a story that first broke a couple of days ago, and we mentioned it on the show. It involves a young lady who's been on this show a number of times, Catherine Herridge. She is one of the best investigative reporters in America. She used to work for Fox News. In fact, she's still fighting one court fight that involves her departure from Fox News and investigations by the government. Then she went to work for CBS. Well, CBS, like so many companies, appears to have fallen on hard times. The parent company, Paramount, and CBS decided just a couple of weeks ago to lay off 800 people, including this star investigative reporter. Now, it might strike you as a little strange. We all understand when big companies go out, they get into financial trouble and they have to do layoffs. I get that. But it seems a little strange, and it seems strange at the time, and I said so. When you have a big company like CBS that employs a lot of people, uh, many of them are photographers and editors and producers and all kinds of jobs that you have at a TV network, but you only have a very few star talent like Catherine Herridge, especially somebody who has been dogged in her reporting on some of the biggest stories in America. So what happens? CBS decides to lay off 800 people, and one of them just happens to be investigative reporter Catherine Herridge. But then they did something that I've checked with my friends in media and in journalism. Nobody I know has ever heard of such a thing, that when a, an organization that employs journalists decides to lay somebody off, CBS seized her personal belongings. They seized her files. They seized her computers. They seized her contact information for her sources. Now, you understand, when I was a day-to-day -day reporter, I had sources who'd call me up. It's not that mysterious. It sounds like something out of a movie, but it's really not. And usually the people who reach out to you are people who are reaching out to you because they say something very wrong is going on but I can't do anything about it. I mean, you work within an organization like a police department, a sheriff's department, city hall, the state legislature, the U.S. Capitol, or heck, even the White House. And you say, this is wrong, they're doing it, but if you connect this back to me, I, the source, I'm going to end up without a job. I'm going to end up unemployable. So that's how leaks happen. And you safeguard your sources very, very carefully. So what did they do? They took all of her files, all of her computers, and information on her privileged sources. Now, what was it that Catherine Herridge was working on most recently? She was going after stories that were not exactly friendly to the Biden White House and an awful lot of very powerful people in high positions among the Democrats, including the Her report. Robert Her did the report on Joe Biden, on his diminished mental capacity, on his theft of classified documents, the Biden corruption scandal, you know, the Biden crime family that we talk about all the time, the Hunter Biden laptop, all of that. This was what Catherine Herridge was working on. Now, other reporters were working on it as well. But imagine what you do to a reporter when you say, number one, you're fired, number two, the paycheck stopped, but number three, we're taking all your stuff. Now, I understand I've worked in media my basically my entire life, 
And when you leave a network, when you leave a radio station, the recordings you've made, the shows you've produced, that all belongs to the network or to the radio or TV station. I've had to leave behind some of my best work, but it was there, it was out on the air, and, and it was done. But it didn't belong to me. It belonged to the TV station or the network. In this case, they're not taking that. I wouldn't dispute that CBS owns every news broadcast they've ever done, even the ones featuring Catherine Herridge's stories. What they took was something else. They took away information she needs to continue tracking very important stories. Now, if you lay off a reporter like Catherine Herridge, Nobody in my business expects her to disappear. She's going to turn up again, probably in a nice high-profile position at another network that has not run itself into the financial ditch like CBS did. They'll have the money to actually pay her. But when they decide to lay her off and then just coincidentally and simultaneously decide to steal her personal information, something that, as I said, I've checked around, they're isn't any indication I can find that this has ever happened in American journalism before. And who might be driving the need to take away all those files and those contacts from Catherine Herridge? Do you suppose it might just be the Biden White House? And do you suppose the Biden White House has any friends at the very liberal, formerly great CBS network? Yeah, I can tell you they do. I mean, an awful lot of the people who are running big media companies are not friendly at all to conservatives, and Catherine Herridge is that. They're not friendly at all to investigative journalism that actually threatens those in power. And you can see, if you want to call this the deep state, go ahead and call it the deep state. But this is absolutely outrageous, and CBS has a lot of explaining to do. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls. 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at lawrencelarson.com. And you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k flats. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Thank you. This is the Lars Larson Show. 
That makes a lot of sense, a lot of nonsense. Right, you're bloody well right. You know you got a right to say. This is the Northwest Nonsense. How much longer do we have to sit for this nonsense? That great moment every day where Lars brings you the cold, hard facts without any liberal wokeness from the daily dead, fish wrapper, or mainstream media bias. Representatives in Oregon and Washington have decided to raise a big, fat middle finger to their own constituents this year. Let me offer you two examples, one from north of the Columbia River, the other from south. In Washington state, more than 400,000 citizens signed each of six different initiatives to the legislature on huge issues like police chases, the capital gains tax, and the devastating carbon tax of Jay Inslee. The state constitution requires the legislature to act on such initiatives. Democrats in Olympia decided to hold hearings on three of them and then simply ignore the other ones. Basically, FU voters. In Oregon, thousands of fentanyl deaths, including overdose teens and even toddlers dying, did not move majority Democrats in Salem to act. They plan a tweak to the law that takes currently legal hard narcotics up to the lowest level of misdemeanor they could find, which isn't going to change a thing. And the body bags keep on coming. Behind the scenes, lawmakers in Salem are conspiring to get district attorneys to agree very quietly if they make it criminal, even at a low level like a C misdemeanor, don't prosecute the new cases. Don't go after them. Don't even take them to trial. And a lot of these Soros special DAs, you know, like Mike Schmidt show, uh, they're probably going to do it. Meanwhile, the chief justice of the state Supreme Court wrote a secret letter to lawmakers. Somebody managed to get a copy, thank God, begging them not to recriminalize drugs, even at the lowest possible level. The fix is in, folks. Your so-called representatives will move at lightning speed to raise your taxes, even while they sit on massive surpluses, but they ain't going to lift a single finger to save lives when they could. But they will give you the finger. And now today's Daily Grill. Insane. Are you completely insane? Ridiculous. They get more and more ridiculous. Flat out dumb. You're even dumber than I thought. Who deserves today's Lars Grill of the Day? Maybe they're just really, really find out right now well, i'm going to give today's daily grill to both the states of oregon and washington on the subject of tolling in washington state in the seattle metro puget sound area they have just announced there will be a 50 percent jump in tolls from a maximum of ten dollars per trip to a maximum of fifteen dollars a trip this is absolutely not justified at all meanwhile in oregon the state of Oregon and its Oregon Department of Transportation, uh, ODOT, which is spending currently about, I think it's about $3 billion every calendar year, about $6 billion every biennium, and they haven't built a new freeway in decades. They are going to hire people to $200,000 a year jobs. And what are those jobs? Why, to manage the tolling program. You mean the tolling program that doesn't exist yet? The tolling program that has been thoroughly rejected by the public at so-called public hearings? The tolling program that has not yet collected a dime and still hasn't been signed off on and has actually been put on delay for at least two years and maybe longer and maybe killed altogether? That tolling program? You're hiring people for $200,000 a year to run a program that doesn't exist and may not ever exist? Tell me how you explain that.
Now, today's best email, but you can always send more to talk at LarsLarson.com. David writes in, Lars, the Supreme Court is rapidly becoming useless. Too many liberal activists and cowards on the court. They've refused so many important cases that affect our country because of possible political blowback. Chief Justice Roberts has even stated that political media response as one of the reasons why not to take up one of Donald Trump's cases. If the highest court in the land does not intend to overturn lower court decisions that clearly violate our Constitution, what good are they? With three liberal activist judges, one doesn't even know what a woman is, a cowardly chief justice, and a very disappointing Amy Coney Barrett, we the people are in trouble. We the people do not like to have all the decisions that the Supreme Court makes, but we expect the Supreme Court to follow the law of the Constitution, which some of the justices seem to interpret as having a different meaning. Their meaning, not in black and white, but in the gray area. Just another excuse for not wanting to follow the laws of the land because of political biases or possible liberal media blowback. So disappointed in our so-called equal and blind justice system. Signed, David. Send those emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And let me start with JT. Hey, JT, welcome to the program. What's on your mind? Ah, I've got an idea. Uh, I think it's going to be a... It could be a good idea if the State Department decided to, to use it for the southern border. That would put a stop or at least slow it way down on people okay. coming in. Let's hear it. Uh, by putting the onus on Mexico, uh, if we have we I saw a certain number of green cards every year from Mexico, and if we were to determine that depending on a certain number of people who come illegally across the border, we shorten that quota by one. And then when we deport people, we double that number, <laughs> that it would go back up by one to the maximum year. That way, Mexico, who depends upon uh, legal immigration, I guess they're the, the ones we give the largest quota to, they would start going up in arms and saying, you can't do that. And eventually it will be in their best interest to stop people from coming across the border because the people illegally trying to get across here will be complaining to their State Department. Yeah, they will. And, and in fact, Mexico, because it makes so much in the way of exports that come to the United States, is incredibly vulnerable to exactly that kind of approach. And, JT, I can tell you two things. One, that approach was used in slightly different form by Donald Trump. And Trump has talked about it openly. He said, uh, he told the president of Mexico, I need you to put military up on that border to make sure that people don't cross into America. And Mexico's president apparently told Trump to pound sand. So Trump said, okay, you want to be that way about it? If you don't do it, I will slap a 25% tariff on all those automobiles that you're making in, uh, in uh, plants that are run by American car makers. Do you know what that did? It got the president of Mexico's attention. And all of a sudden he said, oh, why, we'd be happy to help out. The problem is the guy sitting in the White House right now, Joe Biden, who's now saying all of a sudden he's discovered, you know, I could take executive action on this. This is the same Joe Biden who in the first 12 months of his presidency in uh, in 2020 and uh, sorry, 2021 and 2022 uh, took 94 executive actions to reverse everything that Trump had done on the border. And then Joe Biden acted surprised like, oh, I don't know why all these people are flooding into the United States because I didn't change anything. He most certainly did. 
He took 94 yep. executive actions and reversed all the Trump policies. And then he acts surprised that we got 10 million illegals in the last three years. If Joe Biden wanted to, he could call Mexico up and make the same promise that Donald Trump made to Mexico. Keep the illegals coming across your border into our country. We will slap tariffs on everything you export to the north. And Mexico would sit up and take notice. Joe Biden probably won't do that because Joe Biden is beholden to some of the people who want those illegal aliens in, including his own political party, the Party of Slavery, which has found a new class of slaves that it's going to use. You're listening to The Lars Larson the Show. The Lars Larson Show. may talk about serious issues, but even Lars has a sense of humor. I have a joke for you. The government in this town is excellent and uses your tax dollars efficiently. <laughs> this is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you, and I'm glad to get your calls on a First Amendment Friday. Thanks for joining me on the Radio Northwest Network. You know, for the last 24-plus years, we've been endeavoring to serve the region, the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington, and Idaho, with honestly provocative talk every single day of the week. And on First Amendment Fridays, that's amplified because we don't hold back on what you're allowed to talk about. If you want to call in, it's 86. Uh, we're not the Biden administration. Let me put it simply that way. We don't try to limit what you hear or what you speak. So 866, hey, Lars, if you're a naysayer, straight to the head of the line at 866-439-5277. Send emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. And our poll on X is a little bizarre but then so is the world these days. The magazine called New Scientist. It's not a serious magazine like uh, Scientific American or one of those, but it's a, it, it publishes about science, but apparently they have kind of a bizarre point of view. They say that it's time to erase the taboo on cannibalism, and they point out to new archaeological evidence that shows that, heck, ancient humans ate each other surprisingly often and often out of compassion. Believe it or not, is it time? Uh, they say it's time to get rid of the taboo on cannibalism. Are you ready to eat humans is the way we frame today's question. You can find the question at Lars Larson Show on X, also on our website at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. Now, yesterday's poll. Should the Washington legislature actually hold hearings on the six voter-signed initiatives as the state constitution actually requires or ignore them as the Democrats say they plan to do? I said yes, they should hold the hearings. Ninety-four percent of you agreed with me. Six percent of you, though, were naysayers. You said, no, the Democrats don't need to do what the Constitution requires, which I guess if the if we assume the yet then no vote on that was largely liberals, that doesn't surprise me a whole lot. Uh, to your calls now, let's go uh, first to Lee. Hey, Lee, welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What's on your mind? Hi, Lars. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. What's up? Uh, excellent. So I got a couple of topics. One of them I, I called in, tried to call in yesterday. I didn't have time. It was a, a conspiracy Thursday. So the Democrats are trying to get Trump off the ticket and prevent him from getting into office like a communist country would. The only thing they haven't tried was assassination. What brought that up to mind was the vice president or the, the guy that was running in 
Russia that got assassinated or killed, Navalny. whatever you want to call it. Yes, and that's yeah. what I, that brought up to mind. So I'm thinking that's my conspiracy theory. Well, why don't you make yeah. it a better conspiracy theory by saying they haven't tried it yet or that we know of. And do you know what I mean by You're that? Right. Yes, I, I agree with that, and I'm thinking that is what's next. Well, so no, no. Do, you, do, we know, do we know for a fact today that they haven't tried? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> no, and, and see, the only reason I point that out, Lee, is that if you're the Secret Service, if there have been attempts, then would you talk about that publicly? Because I'll bet the Secret Service would say, we know that there have been attempts if it's happened, because I don't know whether it's happened or not, but I merely raise the possibility. If they say to themselves, if we talk about the attempts that we know about already, we're likely to get more of them. So if yeah. they've happened, and I have no evidence that they have, but I also know, don't know for sure that they have not, then, uh, then you probably wouldn't hear the Secret Service talk about it until long after the campaign. You know, maybe sometime next year they might say, well, there were, you know, because I'm always surprised every once in a while you'll hear why there have been 12 attempts to do this or that or the other thing. Terrorist attacks, things like that, that have been thwarted. And usually law enforcement is not crazy unless it's so public that they can't avoid talking about it. You know, if it was some spectacular attempt at an attack on on a presidential candidate. But if they can get away with not talking about it, they will because they think and are I you, think they're right. They're right that if if you, you talk about attempts, you'll get more of them. Are you are you saying that the government's keeping things from us? Information? Well, well, I don't think they would do that. No, I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry about that. Uh, so so yes, I I do hear in uh, hear what you're saying. I do agree that they probably are keeping it shush upon us the second thing i would like to talk about really quick is you know they should make it so way that we could punish people or people in government for trying to go around what the uh, supreme court already ruled upon that you can't do such as uh, uh taking away the loans from uh people who went to college that didn't do anything with their degree that's one thing second amendment they already passed it that you can't do this stuff but yet they're still trying to work, find work around and, and create laws working around the stupid uh, uh uh the ruling you know so they should punish these people that's in government that's how that's how well do you know the best way to punish them kick them out of office yeah vote them out because because yeah. i thought you were going to use joe biden as an example who was told early on had promised i'll pay off 500 billion dollars worth of student loans not 500 million half a trillion dollars and then the supreme yeah. court slapped him down and said you have gone way outside your authority and as fast as they told joe biden you can't do that he promptly went out on camera and announced i'm going to find other ways to do it and people have asked me well why don't they stop him and i said because he tried the heroes act and the supreme court slapped him down so now he says, well, I'll use other laws. And those can be slapped down, but somebody has to bring the case. They have to bring a lawsuit. They have to spend a pile of money, you know, to, to head something off that doesn't. In other words, if somebody came to you, Lee, and said, look, Lee, we'd like you to spend $100,000 or $200,000 to take this to court. And you say, if we win, what do I get? And they say, you get a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart that you've done the right thing. And you say, thanks anyway. 
because you say, I'm not going to go spend a couple of hundred thousand dollars and tie myself up in court and make myself a potential enemy of the Biden administration. Because can you tell what happens to enemies of the Biden administration? Catherine Herridge gets fired and all of her files get seized. I mean, we haven't quite got to the point that Russia is where they, they send you off to a gulag in the Arctic. If you if you run against the uh, if you counter what the president is trying to do, but they're getting close because if yeah. I mean right right now there are people who are saying if you're a white Christian in this country you're going to come under attack and and if you go out and protest in favor of the right to life you know to, and op oppose abortion uh, you're going to be attacked uh, and if your church happens to burn down and you're a Christian we're not going to do much of anything about it. I mean, this this is the America we're living in right now under the Biden administration, where they've uh, the president himself has tried to say that everybody who believes in making America great again, everybody who supports electing President Trump, everybody who holds to their Christian values and to trying to knock back uh, uh, political and sexual indoctrination of children, uh, gen genital mutilation of children, anybody who tries to push back against that, you are an enemy of the state. And that's what's happening. If you're an enemy of the state, they're going to come after you. And they're going to do it, and they have the means to do it. So be very, very careful. You do not want to get on Joe Biden's enemies list or whoever it is that happens to be pulling Joe Biden's strings. Since at this point, do you know, I'll give you a little tidbit that's just come out in the last couple of days. Joe Biden is going to all these private fundraisers where he talks to the people who want to write him big checks to help support the Democrat Party. Do you know that he knows what people are going to ask him about. He takes note cards to private meetings. He's standing there at a cocktail party and somebody says, what's your position on the border? And he actually gets note cards out so he can read what it is that is his position. Now, does that tell you that guy is not all here these days? Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your phone calls and emails. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Ever wonder what? 
what a vegan actually is? They say cows are bad for the environment because all they do is eat plants and fart, just like vegans. This is the Lars Larson Show. There are folks in this world like Al Sharpton Who make everything about race Who get a pass from the media Criticism we never face I have been a race painter It's made me a lot of dope as well as an Israel hater, I'm just like old Sleepy Joe. That's why I don't have any viewers. That's why my ratings are low. But they know that I'll cry racism if they cancel my TV show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. That's our friend, our parody guy, Jim Gossett. And we're glad to have you with us. If you ever... Uh, hear his songs and you like them. You can find him on Patreon. You can also find him on our website as well. It's First Amendment Friday on the Radio Northwest Network, and I'm glad to get to your phone calls and emails at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. Send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com and vote in our X poll. Used to be called Twitter, now it's X. Left-wing scientists say it's long past time that we erase that old-fashioned taboo on cannibalism. Are you ready to start eating your fellow humans? I'd say no to that. You can vote any way you like. You'll find it at Lars Larson Show and at LarsLarson.com. Brought to you by Ultimate Truck Services. If you rely on trucks for business, Ultimate keeps your biggest assets on the road and running right. Find them at UltimateTruckService.com. I want to tell you about a murder case, except this is a murder case that may never actually be solved. Now, I say that even though we know the man who was murdered, uh, his name is Osborne, Mr. Osborne, was shot to death. And that was about five years ago. And they pretty well know who was involved in it because there was some video. Mr. Osborne, Thomas Osborne, was sitting in his Chevy Blazer in front of a convenience store. Now, there was video of that. There was also video of people in a Toyota Camry uh, next to or near his car uh, who didn't like what he was doing. They said he had tried to open up one of their car doors. No more information on that. But then what happened happened off camera because somebody shot Mr. Osborne twice in the chest, 16 shell casings littering the street, according to the Daily Dead Fish Harbor, the Oregonian. And you say, okay. They have shell casings. If they find the gun, they can connect the shell casings to the gun. The gun has never been found. Except that a short time after that, the police decided to take a close look at a guy named Robert. The, his friends knew him as Bobby Tassau and his then-girlfriend, Adriana Burke. And they were brought in for questioning. That was four years ago, about a year after the murder. The two of them have a child together. And uh, what happened was Tassau got arrested um, because they brought him in for questioning and they thought he had something to do with it. He was charged with second-degree murder because his story was he didn't do the shooting, but he knew who did. So the prosecutor said, okay, if you will testify and testify truthfully, we will drop the murder charge, we'll sentence you to probation for hindering prosecution. The U.S. Marshals then arrested the guy they think did the murder. 
His name is Tyreek Credit. And Tyreek Credit, according to Bobby Tassau, was sitting in the pasture side. They'd had an argument with Mr. Osborne. They're driving away. And according, according to Bobby Tassau, uh, his friend Tyreek Credit shouted, stop. And he stopped the car. And according to Bobby Tassau, Tyreek Credit then fired a bunch of rounds. And then they drove off. And then they kept drinking and, and taking cocaine and everything else. Well, the case just went to trial. And Bobby Tassau testified that he saw Tyreek Credit shoot Mr. Osborne. And uh, Bobby Tassau's girlfriend, the mother of his baby, also testified that, uh, you know, that, that she saw the shooting as well. The jury didn't buy it. The jury said, nope. And they found Tyreek Credit not guilty. And they also, well, the prosecutors agreed to hold up their end of the deal. They gave Bobby Tassau probation for his crime, never got charged with murder. And then the judge, after the jury had left, found Tyree Credit guilty of the one thing the jury was not allowed to decide, and that was possession of a firearm. So the judge said the testimony of the witnesses was enough to put the firearm in Tyree Credit's hands, so he's guilty of illegal possession of a firearm, but he's not guilty of shooting the firearm. And as I said at the beginning, the firearm has never been found. Figure that one out. Let's go to Thomas. Hey, Thomas, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Well, thank you, Lars. Uh, mine is the slippery slope of Trump's uh, fraud trial. Okay. Um, he should the bank be charged with fraud also for not doing due diligence to their shareholders by not looking into how much something is valued. Only if you can get the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, to hate the bank as much as she hates Donald Trump. And, of course, if you're the Attorney General of New York State and you start to attack large banks, you're probably not going to be the Attorney General very long. Does that make sense? Well, yes, I understand the theory, but, I mean, it's a real boondoggle there when you're applying, as usual, the law to one group of people and not to the other. Hey, double standards or the Democrat Party wouldn't have any standards at all. Thomas, thanks for the call. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to the Radio Northwest Network. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Welcome 
to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog face pony show. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank you. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. Friday. This is... This is... First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. It's a pleasure to be with you. We talk about a lot of the issues on this show, and many of them involve government at some level. But very few of them actually can reach out and grab you around the throat and put your own life at risk. This is one of the exceptions. It's one of those places where I believe that inaction by the government is going to put citizen lives at risk. It involves a company called AMR. AMR is part of a uh, nationwide company that is literally the biggest ambulance provider in the United States of America. And they're a private company. And the vice president of operations for AMR, Randy Lauer, joins me now. Mr. Lauer, thanks for coming on today. Good afternoon, Lars. Thanks for the opportunity to be on today. So you have a contract with Multnomah County to supply ambulance service. Are the Multnomah County commissioners trying to push AMR out of the county? Well, that's the big why that we can't answer at this point. Uh, we hope to uh, soon. We did a public records request of text messages, and we think that may, be, it may reveal the why behind the direction they're taking because, frankly, it, it confounds us. We don't otherwise understand it. There must be something in the background they're working on that they've not revealed yet. Mr. Lara, I always tell my audience about dog in the fight. I have no financial arrangement with AMR. I don't do commercials for you. I've actually, in my life, never had cause to call an ambulance. So I'm not, I don't even have a dog in the fight there. But I want to get some basics in front of people. Right now, your contract with Multnomah County says you are to supply ambulances with two paramedics on each ambulance, which would be advanced life support. Your company has said, uh, if I'm correct, we've tried to hire enough paramedics. We can't find enough paramedics. Can you allow us to put one paramedic and one EMT on each ambulance and provide the level of service that the county needs? Am I correct in all of that? Yeah, you're spot on. That's absolutely correct. And then I did some research on my own, and I told my audience the other day, uh, I've looked at the you know some of the technical studies that have been done, and, and basically it comes down to two paramedics is not medically superior to one paramedic and an EMT, that you get equivalent medical care, maybe even fewer mistakes in that case, and, and, and that many jurisdictions in America uh, accept that that is the level of service they want and get and does a good job, right? That's correct. We've uh, researched and analyzed all the studies that have been produced on, on that issue. They all every one of them say there's no difference in outcome between a paramedic EMT ambulance and a two paramedic ambulance. And especially in the light of the system we have in Multnomah County, where both Portland Fire and Gresham Fire respond to every life-threatening critical call with a paramedic. So we currently have three paramedics on the scene. There are studies that show that three paramedics are actually detrimental because there's too many paramedics and they can't maintain skills competency. Okay, so can can AMR find enough paramedics to meet Multnomah County's demand right now? No, we cannot. We are 60 paramedics down. We need about 240 to fully staff our deployment. Um, we're hiring two to four a month, and we're uncovering every stone uh, to find new paramedics. But we're losing four to six a month, so we're still losing ground. In November, 
we were 55 paramedics short, and today we're 60 paramedics short, and it's still continuing that trend. And when I say, I say we're in the middle of recovery from this paramedic shortage caused by the pandemic, because I think it, we're a few more years away before we get enough new paramedics trained up, uh, field trained, and able to staff an ambulance. And that, in part, is because paramedic schools closed down for two years during the pandemic. We lost that pipeline for two years, which was had phenomenal impact. Couple that with the uh, civil unrest we've seen in Multnomah County, COVID, uh, the fatigue that's placed on our paramedics because they're still running all of the calls, but with many fewer ambulances, and the fact that they're mostly all wearing body armor now because the risk to their personal safety has gone up dramatically. So Multnomah County has been become a less attractive place for paramedics to work. And that shifted uh, quickly. Pre-pandemic, Multnomah County was the most sought-after place, and now it is the place people are trying to escape from. And the job pays well. It pays very well. Paramedics start off at just under 70000 and in short order they can get to 115000 And their health care benefits are some of the best out there. Okay, now I'm not asking you to make policy, but am I right? I, sometimes when I do math, I get in trouble, sometimes not. If you've got a given number of paramedics, but you have to divide that number by two to get the number of ambulances you can deploy on any given day, if you are allowed to do what you're asking to do, one paramedic, one EMT, is it fair to say you could, you could field twice as many ambulances and have the consequent benefit in quick arrivals? Well, that you're close. Let me just kind of add to that. So our deployment plan uh, calls for 50, 50, 12-hour ambulance shifts a day because we're a 24-7 operation. Currently, we're only able to deploy 32. So our goal is to be able to deploy all 50, so we need 18 more. By taking uh, pretty well-trained paramedics who are not who are in the second seat on a two-paramedic ambulance, pairing them up on another ambulance with an EMT, um, we can add ambulance by doing that. We would only have to convert about half of our deployment to paramedic EMT, and the other half would remain two paramedic. Uh, we're not trying to get rid of the two paramedic standard permanently. This is just a temporary uh, fix through this crisis, and it's it's a crisis that so far Dr. Jew and uh, Chair Vesic Vega Peterson apparently don't realize. Well, and this means that I mean, you, I assume you could do this fairly quickly. Say, if you said by Monday. We're going to go to the one and one instead of one, you know, instead of uh, paramedic, paramedic, we'll go paramedic EMT. By Monday, you could be fielding uh, at least a, a, another sizable number of ambulances and get quicker response time for the people who call in an emergency. That could happen yeah, fast, couldn't it? We think within a week, we could have four to six more ambulances deployed. And within 90 days, we could have all 50 ships deployed. Now, what, when you good. go to Multnomah County, I want to because I know we're tight for time. But when you go to Multnomah County, you put this to them, and they just give you a flat no, no room for movement at all. Yeah, we we presented our formal three month plan to victory. We asked for arbitration so we could meet and address the real issues, but without any justification, she just attacks us. She threatens fines. Um, we talk about the solution. She talks about fines. She talks about more fines. We talk about more service. We can't understand why Multnomah County ignores solving the problem and serving its constituents. It's, as Mayor Ted Wheeler said yesterday, this is a no-brainer. Or he said it Thursday, excuse me, when they adopted their resolution, but it was yesterday. This is a no-brainer. 
Um, and for the have the Gresham and the City Council, along with Corbett and uh, Soviet and Fire Departments, line up totally in support of this is um, is unprecedented in my 42 years here in Multnomah County. Do you think, last quick question, do you think they're pushing you out to replace you with government, either county fire, city fire, whatever? That's what I suspect. Um, I can't prove that, but I, I, that's one of the potential reasons. But I think when we get the public records uh, request back, which we anticipate to be March 5th, and go through those, we'll probably, that will probably reveal. Mr. Lauer, I'll be anxious to put you on there. And that's Randy Lauer, Vice President of Operations for AMR. The Multnomah County is happy to put people's lives at risk to give a bunch of money, millions of dollars in fines. Back in a moment, it's First Amendment Friday. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. At least someone has a plan for illegal aliens. Back in the White House, I will terminate every open borders policy of the Biden administration and begin the largest deportation operation in American history. This is the Lars Larson Show. All Americans. Not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. Hey, do you recognize the voice of the horny hick from Arkansas? Yeah, that's right. That's Billy Clinton. And that was back in 1995. And you might be asking yourself about now, a little more than a quarter century later, how in the world did they go from Bill Clinton saying we're disturbed by the number of illegal aliens entering? At the time, there were about a thousand people a day, 300,000 a year entering the United States. Now that grew to a much larger number under Obama, and then it shrank to the smallest number in American history under President Donald Trump. And what did Joe Biden do? He marched into office. And he immediately, or well, fairly immediately, signed 94 executive orders reversing everything that President Trump had done. And yet, Bill Clinton at the time was saying you've got to enforce the borders. In fact, take a listen to the second half of that soundbite. That's why our administration has moved aggressively to secure our borders more, by hiring a record number of new border guards, by deporting twice as many criminal aliens as ever before, by cracking down on illegal hiring, by barring welfare benefits to illegal aliens. In the budget I will present to you, we will try to do more to speed the deportation of illegal aliens who are arrested for crimes, to better identify illegal aliens in the workplace, 
as recommended by the commission headed by former Congresswoman Barbara Jordan. And I'm not going to tell you any day of the week that Bill Clinton was, you know, something to write home about when it came to illegal aliens. But when you take that list of all the things he said we're going to do, uh, and you say, well, what's Joe Biden doing? I say 180 degrees, the opposite direction. That's what Joe Biden has been doing. And for three years now, we've had Joe Biden and everybody who works for him saying why the president is doing all he can do. Let me give you the quotes. Biden said, I've done all I can do. Give me the power. Alejandro Mayorkas, the impeached Secretary of Homeland Security, said, we have taken executive actions already. And Corrie Jean-Pierre, the affirmative action mouthpiece for Borden, for Biden, says there's no executive action that the president can take. Well, guess what? Now that the president realizes he's in huge trouble with the public over what's going on to the border, he says, I'm going to take executive action now. Except that for, as I said, three years, we've had everybody who sides with Biden saying it isn't possible. Like Representative Dan Goldman, who said it can only be addressed by legislation. That's Congress, not by executive action. And you've got Representative Senator Chris Murphy, Democrat, who says it's just not true that Biden already has the authority to secure the border. Well, now all of a sudden, Joe Biden has decided he does have the authority to do it because he's in trouble in the election. Call out the lies of this administration. Now, the fact is, like I said, 300,000 per year crossing into America illegally under Bill Clinton. And he thought that was a problem. And he said he would take action. And to a large extent, he did. Joe Biden this year will have more than 3 million people cross this year. And all of a sudden, he's waited till the last minute before he said, hey, I can take executive action. The very thing that Biden and Corrine Jean-Pierre and Mayorkas and everybody else on the left has said the president doesn't have the authority. And now they've decided it's an election emergency. All of a sudden, he has the authority. To your calls on a First Amendment Friday, let's start with Glenn. Hey, Glenn, welcome to the Lars Larson Show. What's on your mind? Hey, Lars. Got a quick question on um, all this scuttlebutt that they're hollering at the uh, Donald Trump about his comment that he made about NATO or if a country uh, doesn't pay their bill that just go ahead and let them invade and and uh, we might deal with it, we might not deal with it. But if I'm not correct, when Russia was doing their supposable war games along the border of Ukraine, didn't Biden make the comment that a small invasion would be okay? Yes, he did. And and I'll go back and remember, Ukraine is not a NATO country. And part of the right. reason we're in this problem is that Putin felt threatened by the idea that we were toying with the idea of making NATO a Ukraine a NATO country. But you're right. And I've been citing that for the last two years because the war began about two years ago and just not quite two years ago. We haven't quite reached the two year mark. But at the time, a reporter, a young lady stood up and asked Joe Biden, well, but what if Russia actually invades Ukraine? And Joe Biden said, well, if it's a small invasion, we might not, you know, we will have to decide what we're going to do. He was sending all the messages that virtually begged uh, Putin to invade Ukraine. Say, hey, if it's small, you know, maybe won't do anything. But, you know, this business about NATO countries should live up to their agreements. You understand that they're not paying dues to the United States or to NATO. 
What the NATO agreement says is every country has 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 committed to to uh, paying a certain percentage of its own GDP into its own defense. Now, why is that important? Because if you're a member of NATO and you say, "Oh, we're in NATO. If somebody invades us, we'll just call the United States and they'll be, they'll they'll haul all the freight for us. They'll they'll make it happen." No, the deal was. NATO works if its members provide for their own defense, they're less likely to be invaded. And then if they are, an act against one is an act against all. I think that's, uh, that's the fifth uh, vow or the fifth promise in NATO is that an attack on one is an attack on, the, on all. But if all the, and there were a lot of countries in Western Europe that just simply over the years said, uh, don't worry about it. Let the U.S. taxpayer fund the defense of our country. We don't have to live up to our agreement. And Trump threatened them. And frankly, I think that should be the threat. And Glenn, can I give you an example? That, and, and there's a real life example. There's probably more than one, but I know of one in particular. There was a school district. And the school district was part of a rural fire protection district. This actually happened. And uh, they, they decided, you know, we're paying all this money into this rural fire protection district. It's costing us a lot. Let's just drop those payments. And they did. Now, that's like somebody having a car and not carrying full coverage on it. If you total your car, too bad, the car is gone. Because the school district assumed, well, we don't have to pay our dues. We don't pay our dues. They're going to still put out the fire if our school catches fire. Well, guess what? Not long after they made that stupid decision to stop paying the, into the rural fire protection district, their school caught fire. And you know what? The fire department showed up. And they just stood there and watched it while it burned. Now, Glenn, I understand that people take offense to the idea of saying to NATO countries, if you're not pulling your, your, the weight you agreed to pull, why should we come and defend, and defend you? And I don't, I don't blame Trump for saying that. I would expect Americans to say that. To say, look, we're not paying for your defense. If you want to be part of this defensive group, you agree to c contribute your share to your own defense, meaning hire your own sol soldiers and sailors and Marines, buy your own aircraft, buy your own tanks, uh, buy your own weapons, and then nobody's going to invade you. Instead, these countries have all gone on the cheap, said we'd rather spend our money on something else. The U.S. will take care of us, even though we haven't held up our end of the bargain. I don't blame Trump one little bit. Tell those countries you either live up to the agreement you signed or you don't get the benefits of the agreement you signed. And I'd be glad to talk to a naysayer about that any day of the week. It's First Amendment Friday. Glad to get your calls. 866-HEY-LARS. You're listening to The Lars Larson Show and the Radio Northwest Network. The Lars Larson Show. America's Navy. message from Lars. I'd like to apologize to anyone I've not offended yet. Please be patient. I'll get to you shortly. Who's next? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Before we talk about student loan payoffs for deadbeats who don't want to pay their own student loans, which we're going to do in just a moment, I've got to mention this. We just got word the U.S. military is tracking a high-altitude balloon over Colorado. Now, that's the military is tracking the balloon. Now, the military aircraft have apparently gone up to take a look. They say, oh, it's not a threat. 
Of course, I'd remind you that's exactly what the military and what the U.S. government said about the spy balloon that was sent over by China, that it was a weather balloon, that it really wasn't a threat, it wasn't doing anything wrong. It just happened to fly over some of our more sensitive military installations before the military shot it down off the East Coast, off South Carolina. But, yeah, we got a balloon up there, don't know what it is, don't know anything about it, but we're keeping an eye on it, and it is not a threat. They're already telling us, which, as far as I can tell, is the standard response that we get from the federal government. Nothing is ever a threat until we actually find out that it is, and the White House and the Pentagon are probably going to keep us in the dark as long as they possibly can. That's how the Biden administration rolls. Now, on that note, I'll invite your phone calls at 866-HEY-LARS. Emails go to talk at LarsLarson.com. Vote in our poll on X at Lars Larson Show. And Veronique DeRougie joins me now, who's a senior research fellow at the Mercatus Center at George Mason University. Veronique, welcome back on a Friday. Thank you for having me, Lars. I'm really angry about the fact that the Supreme Court had told Joe Biden once, you don't have the legal authority under the HEROES Act to pay off four-tenths of a trillion dollars in student loans for students who don't want to pay them back and they want somebody else to pay their, their student loans. And Joe Biden announced right after that, well, I'm going to find other ways to do it. I want to know what you think about this latest effort where he announced on Wednesday he was going to cancel $1.2 in student debt, meaning he was going to have the rest of the American taxpayers, most of whom have not gone to college, pay for the bad college debt of about 153,000 Americans. What, what should we make of that? I, I think we should, be, um, we should be angry, as you are. I don't know about the legality of it. I'm not a lawyer. So I think it's kind of uh, it's uh, daring to do this right after the Supreme Court decision. Uh, but the thing that is really kind of worrying me the most about all of this, I mean, everything you said about the student loans and who it's going to benefit, um, it's usually higher income um, Americans, and they're, as you said, going to be it's going to be paid back with taxes from. Uh, people who either haven't gone to college or lower income, but um, effectively, it's a, it's a really a transfer for uh, for for the, the middle class. But what worries me is just the debt. We have we have a debt. The latest CBO budget came out a few weeks ago, and I think you and I talked about it. And it's a lot of rosy scenario that CBO makes because it has no choice. It's part of its mandate um, to assume that things are going to happen as, as 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 it's written in the law currently. And what we know is that within five years, we're going to, under the rosy assumption, these rosy assumptions, we're going to uh, end up in the $2 trillion uh, deficit uh, territory permanently, effectively permanently. And... Uh, we're going to um, head to a level of debt we've never seen in the U.S., uh, especially in time of peace. We are, um, we're going, we're heading straight to 180% of GDP. And the thing that's the most worrisome about all of this is that um, the president knows this. We're still fighting inflation. And if there's one thing that he should know that is probably not going to happen, is like we're not going to go to 180% of GDP in debt without suffering from serious inflation. And what does he do from the beginning since the end of the pandemic? 
has been saying we're going to be sending um, the message to investors that while we don't have money, uh, we're going to be adding to the debt, which means, you know, I just maybe at some point we're not going to be able to be able to repay everyone. Does that mean a national default on America's debt, which has well, so, ne also I mean, never happened? So inflation, right, is a form of default for sure. sure. Uh, but there is a case scenario. Everyone thinks that, that the U.S. could never default on its debt. And it's and it and and the most case scenario. I mean, in the most likely scenario, the the U.S. will not default on its debt, except. There's a, there's a, so a third of our debt is short term. And I think there is a possibility that at some point we are going to have a short term rollover crisis where really investors are going to think, um, uh, at a big scale. So much bigger than what we've experienced in 2021. They're going to think, okay, so you know what? The fiscal authorities are not doing their job of stabilizing the debt. Um, and they're piling on and, uh, you know, the, the, the debt is really, uh, treasuries are an asset like every other asset. And right. the, the payoff of these assets are, are future, uh, primary surpluses and, and there's just none of that. They're just, they're just, there's none of that. We're in primary deficit for, forever and ever and they're growing and they're going to worry that the Federal Reserve is going to actually, um, take the role of the school authority and stabilize the debt through inflation. And the moment they start worrying about this, um, they're going to take action really quickly today to actually demand higher interest rates. And if we happen, they happen to have this word, and of course when I say it happens really quickly, it's because so much of our debt has a maturity of less than a year that we're gonna, they're gonna start asking higher interest rates. And then the, the problem with this is like if we're at a time where we're in an emergency where um, like we've experienced last time, you know, you increase the debt to GDP by 20%, then they're going to be asking for serious um, increase in interest rates or even decide that, you know, uh, treasuries are just not a good investment. And then that's where I think things could cut. Well, could I mean, I guess well. to put this in personal terms, they're going to say, if you want to borrow money and you now look like some guy with a 550 credit score, we'll loan you money. But it's going to cost you, you know, some some gigantic amount of interest, right? Yeah, and the, the yeah, and the, in the, the the thing is that people need to understand that inflation emerges uh, often when investors are worried about being repaid, right? And 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 one of the one of the implicit fiscal rules we've had for the entire history of this the history of this country, which we don't have anymore that's like seriously weakening is like we will spend money during emergencies, but uh, when when the crisis is over, we'll scale back. Yep. Right. And, we pay it and back. On, or, another, or reduce yeah, it. And, yeah. And and we haven't done any of that. In fact, the Biden administration not only haven't had the conversation about austerity, it's been piling on and just trying to push through our throat things like student cancellation. Uh, debt forgiveness and things like this. And apparently, even if the Supreme Court says, no, no, this is not okay, uh, it's trying to kind of get at it another way. Now, it's not as big as it was, but it's pretty significant. I think from what I read, it's like $138 billion. Uh, the other one was $400 billion. So it, it wasn't, you know, it, it's not, it's not small. It's really, um, and so 
um, the the worry, right? Is like so you have you have that, and you and until now, what investors have, have learned about the U.S. is that eventually, Congress does something. They they figure out a way to increase future primary surpluses. Either they'll cut taxes, they'll cut spending, or they'll cut taxes, deregulate, um, jumpstart the economy, uh, have major growth, and and but also do fiscal fiscal um, adjustments like in the 80s a lot of that happened but at some point they may lose their faith and that's when we're going to see inflation break unbelievable that is veronique de he's senior research fellow at the mercatus center at george mason university veronique thank you very much we'll be back in just a moment i'll get to your phone calls and emails and as you know naysayers always go to the head of the list on the lars larson show and the radio northwest network With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. And now, this musical message to anyone who wants to indoctrinate our school children. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you on the Radio Northwest Network and always glad to take your calls. This segment of the show brought to you by NickShivers.com for an instant offer to sell your home immediately. No showing, no hassles, and you pick the closing date. NickShivers.com for details. And let me give you one good piece of movement, of, uh, of news about a movement, the Greater Idaho Movement, the one where parts of west of eastern Oregon want to break away and join Idaho. The Crook County Clerk uh, just two days ago announced the final ballot title for a question. Now, this is a non-binding question, but it gives direction of where the people of Crook County want to go. And it asks, should Crook County represent that its citizens support the efforts to move the Idaho state border to include Crook County? So we're going to get a vote. That's going to come in May, and it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes. The Greater Idaho Movement now has 12 counties in eastern Oregon. There are only 36 counties in the whole state that have voted on the issue so far, and the proposal only affects 14 counties. So it's going to be interesting to see how they vote on that, and I hope, I hope they send a message to the powers that be. If you're not going to represent people in counties and they say we want to join another state, you may have to accept that result. Let's go to J.C., who's a naysayer. Hey, J.C., welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. What do you and I disagree about today that makes you a naysayer? 
Uh, yeah, I know. No, thanks, first of all, for taking my call. Sure. Um, but uh, did you get a chance to see the town hall on Fox News with uh, Donald Trump? I did not. I have to confess, I didn't. But, you know, uh, what was it about yeah, that, well, that bothered you? It's probably a good thing. Oh, well, I mean, obviously all the lies he says. He says a lot of lies. I mean, he said he's going to unite the country, right, by with success. I mean, if he would have, in 2016, if he would have had a successful, you said you claimed he was the best president ever, the best four years ever, yet there's probably not one member in his cabinet left. I don't know. He's going to have to find some crazies to fill in a lot of those spots. No, well, hold on, JC. That's an ad hominem attack. Tell me this. <laughs> Can you tell me, if you say he lied the other night, Tell me the the most prominent lie you heard. Uh, that, that he's going to unite the country. You can't well, get anything. Well, can I ask you something, JC? JC, in good yeah. times, it's very easy for the country to be united. Do you think that we had good to, up to the pandemic? Did we have good times? In other words, high levels of employment and historic low levels of unemployment among. Black Americans, brown Americans, gay Americans, teenage Americans, uh, uh, historic levels of un uh, low levels of unemployment among women, among all the groups that have suffered, they, they had record levels of employment and record low levels of unemployment. We had a government that ran well. We got out of foreign conflicts. We had strength abroad. Do you think we've got any of that today? Uh, no, we don't, Lars, and I'd be lying to you if, if that wasn't true, but that, that, that started back probably in about 2008. If you don't remember, the trend was really heading our direction. In, in, no, it wasn't. You know. JC, you're remembering the 2008 election Obama, in which Obama came in in 2009 and the... The and the, the right way, Lars. No, it wasn't. The, the economy bumped along the bottom for a long, long time under Obama. I could go back and show you the numbers. You, you may not remember it, but I remember it well. Those were economic tough times during Obama. And we kept saying, this country is ready to go. Let it go. And he wouldn't do it. You know, he, because mostly government's job is to get out of the way and let the private sector do what it does best. Do you know in the first year of Donald Trump, New business filings, meaning people who went out and said, I want to start a business, I'm going to file for a business license, among black Americans went up 400% in Donald Trump's first year. Now, that shows a kind of confidence in the economy because you don't start a new business unless you think you can make a go of it, do you? You know that that was in the making, right? That doesn't happen overnight. That stuff oh, hold on. It was in the making for eight years under Obama, only it didn't happen, and then it just happened to happen in the first smart. year of Trump? You're a smart guy, Lars. I know no, you're I'm asking guy. you. I mean, this is, you know what? I'll tell you what, J.C., let me use, let me use the sports analogy. Let's say some guy or gal, no, no, let's say some guy or gal takes over a ball team. I don't care what kind of ball it is. could be soccer, baseball, basketball, whatever. And he coaches the team for eight years of failure. And then when they fire him or her and they put a new coach in and the new coach comes in and the first year they score a whole bunch of touchdowns or a whole bunch of three-pointers and the old coach is sitting there saying, well, I, I prepared the ground for that to happen. It just didn't happen during my eight years. It happened during his first year. JC, nobody believes that garbage. Well, Lars, that you know the coaches, except there, but the you. players are all gone. He's got he's got a whole different players. Well, it doesn't matter who is. He can find <laughs> he can gone. find a cabinet. He's got to find new players. 
So what? New players now because shouldn't you play with him? You know, Joe. Do you know who Joe Biden has as his cabinet? Yeah, I'll bet you don't. I have to admit, they're a bunch of leftovers from Obama because Obama is calling the shots. In other words, Joe Biden doesn't have a bunch of fresh-faced people. He's got tired old. He's got tired old gas bags like John Kerry. He's got people like uh, Karine Jean Pierre, who is an affirmative action hire, who can't think her way out of a wet paper bag. He's got idiots running. He's got Mayorkas who stands there at the border with illegal aliens coming by by the millions, telling the Congress, "Oh, I don't see a problem here." He's like the Baghdad Bob of modern society. JC, you're a great naysayer. Thanks very much. That was entertaining. Back in a moment. It's First Amendment Friday, and you're listening to the Lars Larson Show. I'm on the phone today with David Moore from IRA Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about self-directed IRAs. But how do you explain them to your customers? Well, Lars, through our working careers, we accumulate savings in our 401k plans. So rather than just rolling those funds over when you leave your job, you may want to think about setting up a truly self-directed IRA. With a self-directed IRA, your retirement portfolio can include real estate, precious metals, cryptocurrency, notes, loans, and even a new business startup. So with a self-directed IRA, you're not limited to equities like stocks and bonds? Exactly. There are so many more options that you can consider for your retirement portfolio. Would you like to learn more about self-directed IRAs? Then go to iraadvantage.com, view the videos, and then let the self-directed IRA professionals at IRA Advantage set up a self-directed IRA for you. Your retirement, your way. Visit the professionals today at iraadvantage.com. Welcome to First Amendment Friday on the Lars Larson Show. Happy Friday. Friday is for everybody. Today, Lars puts you in the driver's seat. You talk about what you want to talk about. Government is the problem. No topic is off limits. You're a lying dog-faced pony soldier. Call 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-HEY-LARS. Thank goodness it's Friday. Happy Friday. This is... This is... First Amendment Friday with Lars Larson. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. And believe it or not, the despicable United Nations, and we ought to cut them off tomorrow or yesterday, they now want to condemn Israel for occupying part of Israel that we call Gaza. Which, by the way, I know everybody calls it Gaza. It is part of the state of Israel. And the United Nations has about 50 different countries. I mean, that place is full of thugs and dictators who say, Let's condemn Israel for occupying part of Israel. So I thought the perfect guy to talk to about that is my friend Ari Hoffman, just back from the Holy Land, my fellow talker from the People's Republic of Seattle. Ari, welcome back to the show. <laughs> Always a pleasure to be here, buddy. I mean, what is going on? I wish reporters would start to say uh, it's Gaza, which is part of Israel, or just say it's Israel, otherwise known uh, that little corner as Gaza. It is part of the state of Israel. I know that someday the Palestinian terrorists hope to make it their homeland after they're done destroying the rest of the country. But this is absolutely nuts that they're saying we're going to condemn Israel for being in part of Israel. How long till they start condemning America for occupying parts of Arizona and Texas and Southern California that actually belong to Mexico? I mean, is that the next step for these reporters? 
Well, let's go a little biblical because we're heading into the weekend and people are going to synagogue on Saturday and people are going to church on Sunday. So where does the word Palestine, Palestine come from? It comes from the Palestine or the Philistines that were the biblical enemy of the Hebrews or the Jews who lived in Israel. They were wiped out by the Babylonians around the same time the first temple was destroyed. And then what happened was the Romans, when they destroyed the second temple, were so ticked off at the Jews after the Bar Kokhla rebellion, they said, we're going to rename this whole place after your mortal enemies and name it Palestine, 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 after the Palestine, after the Philistines. That's what happens. Now, I'm going to tell you something, Lars. I went up to the Temple Mount for the first time in my life, never been up there, and I wasn't allowed to pray. I'm not allowed to go to certain parts of it. Why? Because the Waqf, which is the Muslim control group, up there won't let me pray on my own temple mount, the place where the Jewish temple stood for centuries, the place which is in Jerusalem. I'm not allowed to pray up there. So if you want to know what a Palestinian state would be like, it's not going to let any Jews in, just like Gaza doesn't allow any Jews in, just like the West Bank doesn't allow any Jews in. And which part of Israel does the West Bank, which part does it control? The traditional part, Judea and Samaria. That's where the West Bank is right now. Yep. And by the way, there's a lot, I mean, there's a lot going on in the world right now that is very very biblical and i remind people who say oh why are we defending israel i say well hold on even if you don't want to say you know uh, the jewish people have a right to go back to their historic homeland of six thousand years are you going to apply that rule to native americans in america and say just the fact that you lived here for thousands of years that doesn't give you some special claim let's take the reservations away i actually threw that one at a liberal uh, lady one night who was bugging me about this subject i don't think she knew what i did for a living and i said oh the fact that they live there for thousands of years she said that doesn't matter i said try telling that to the native americans she looked like i'd hit her upside the head with a two by four she's like oh okay i guess my own argument has come back and bit me in the backside but you just <laughs> came back and you saw some amazing things while you're there right yeah, we actually took a tour of everything that happened in the South on October 7th. So I went to the Nova Festival, the site of the music festival. And, I mean, the whole thing has basically been turned into a massive memorial, a makeshift memorial, where there are stakes in the ground with pictures on them of the people who are held hostage, of the kids who are held hostage, or the kids who are killed. I mean, you can see where everything happened. You can see how exposed they were. You can see how they were out in the open. I mean, for the people, your listeners in Seattle, imagine Seafair. Imagine if, God forbid, a whole bunch of terrorists showed up at Seafair, how exposed you'd be. That's exactly what it's like. And then you don't have water on one side. So they had that problem. I also went to see Stay Road. Stay Road is a town four kilometers away from Gaza. And that was invaded by terrorists. And I saw the hole in the ground that used to be the police station, which is where terrorists invaded the police station. The police fought back against them. And when terrorists took over the police station, Israel made the decision to bring down the entire building on top of 26 terrorists to take them out. I saw a synagogue. It's a Chabad. Chabads are all over the place. The one they wrote, it's got bullet holes in it. The terrorists didn't attack military installations. They went after one military base, but the majority of the things they went after were music festivals, synagogues, towns. They went after civilians. Where's the U.N. condemning that? Where's the U.N. condemning what they did to women, what they did to men, what they did to children? That damning report that came out this week about the rapes and everything else that happened, it's so graphic, it's so awful. I don't hear the U.N. talking about any of that. Instead, what are they doing? Blaming the Jews. And you don't hear Joe Biden taking the usual leadership role that the Ameri that the United States has taken for about the last 100 years in the world. When something is going wrong, 
you come out as the United States and you say, this has to be fixed. And the first thing that has to happen is release the hostages. Second should be the surrender of the terrorists or the extermination of the terrorists. And Joe Biden isn't doing that either, except he's got an election he wants to win. So do you think he's maybe going to change his tune in the next short time? No, because he's worried about losing his progressive base, which is the Rashida Tlaibs and Ilhan Omars of the world, and they're against Israel. So the reason you hear him talking about a Palestinian state, which as Brian Mast revealed, Congressman Brian Mast revealed, they have no idea what they mean with that. They don't know what Fatah is. They don't know who the Palestinian Authority is. They don't know who Palestinian Islamic Jihad is. They don't know anything about that kind of stuff. They just like the idea of a Palestinian state. So you're going to reward the people who massacred 1,200 civilians, took another 250 hostage, you're going to reward them with a state? That's like giving al-Qaeda a state after 9-11 as a reward. Well, and, and, and that's the danger of negotiating with terrorists. I mean, the U.S. had for a long time till Obama said, we don't negotiate with terrorists. And the reason is, the first time you pay these extortionists who say, we're going to blow things up and then demand things. And if you pay them off, they'll say, hey, this works. Let's blow up more things. Let's take more people hostage. This isn't just a threat to the state of israel meanwhile back here in america i don't know if you've noticed this trend or not because usually i watch for some of these liberals to start talking about issues in this country because it's kind of an indication of what's coming at us they're now saying that if you are somebody who believes that your rights come from god that they're god-given rights as the founders believed uh, and they say no your rights don't come from god if you believe that and you're a Christian, you're a Christian nationalist. And they are condemning about 70% of the population that believe, I mean, if you've studied the Constitution all, if you've studied America's founding, the founders didn't think that our rights came from a piece of paper. They said these are God-given rights. The piece of paper is there to hold the government back from messing with God-given rights. And they've now said, if you believe in that, you're a you're a, a a Christian nationalist, and they're condemning people. They're condemning effectively most of America. They hate religion. The left hates religion. Why? Because people it creates family. It creates people who have a community group together. They hate that. They want you worshiping the state. They want you worshiping an ideology. They don't want you worshiping Jesus or Yahweh or Hashem or any of the other kind of gods out there, whatever name we have for them. They don't want any of that. They want you worshiping the state. They want you to be in the religion of socialism, not Judaism. They want you to be in the, the Marxist religion. That's what they're looking for. So so by destroying the church, look at everything they do to go after the church. That's right. Ari Hoffman. Ari, i got to hit that break. That's Ari Hoffman, my buddy, my talk buddy from Seattle at Talk Radio 570. Back in a moment, I'll get to your phone calls and emails. Oh, and we got to talk about where stores are now saying you're no longer allowed to shop in the store without a minder to keep... With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. 
But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. People always ask Lars if he wants to run for public office, like president. Do you know how much power I'd have to give up to be president? This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you on a First Amendment Friday. Glad to get to your calls, too. In a moment, I want to tell you about this. Can you imagine going shopping in a store and being told by the people in the store, you can shop, but we're going to send a minder along with you to keep an eye on you to make sure you're not stealing anything. Now, this is not necessarily uncommon elsewhere, but in America, it's something brand new and it's actually happening here. But it is First Amendment Friday. I want to grab some of your calls first. Let's go to Tom. Hey, Tom, welcome to the Lars Larson Show on First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? Well, it came to me a couple hours ago, and I thought every October I get something in the mail that's due November 15th. Property that's taxes. your property tax. Yes, sir. And I got to thinking of Trump, Mar-a-Lago. Doesn't he get an assessed value on his property? I'm and sure he does. So, the, the thing I don't know, Tom, and let me throw this in because I think it's relevant, in some places, they put the actual something close to the actual market value on as the taxable valuation. In other places, depending on the state, and I don't know if this is true in Florida or not, uh, they, they will put on an assessed valuation, which may or may not be close to the actual value or not, because I've run into that before. When I'd been, uh, I mean, a long time ago when I bought a house, I, I was looking at the property tax valuation, and it was it was lower than the price. And I asked about that, and the real estate agent said, well, you know, here they used assessed valuation, and, and there may even be state laws, there are in some cases, that limit how much they can increase the valuation every year. But you're right, and nobody believes that Mar-a-Lago is only worth 18 million bucks or 17, whatever the number was, that Letitia James slapped on it. That's what you're talking about, right? And not only that, why would somebody in New York be telling you what the value is? You need to be talking to people in Florida. You're right about that, but I guess, Tom, the biggest objection I've got to that whole fraud case is imagine a fraud case where you say, well, who was defrauded? Well, no one. How much money was lost? Uh, none. Uh, were the people who were allegedly defrauded, the banks, were they unhappy with Trump? No, they actually testified that they'd be happy to loan him money again. They liked the arrangement. And I'll point out one other thing that didn't get mentioned a lot, Tom. When Trump took those loans out from the banks that were either paid back on time or in some cases were even paid back ahead of time, the banks knew that. I mean, they, they thought, this guy's a great customer. He borrows money from us. He either pays back on time or ahead of time. But in the valuations that his company offered to the bank, you know, just like somebody's, if you're selling your house and your real estate guy says, well, how much do you think your house is worth? Well, you know, based on other houses like it, it's probably worth this much. Five hundred thousand dollars, six hundred thousand um, dollars. That that he put that his lawyers, I think, to cover their backside, had put into the valuations 
it is up to you, the bank, to decide that these valuations are valid or not. And the bank is, you know, you can't buy a, a house for yourself. You go to the bank and say, I want to buy this house. Well, how much is it worth? 500000 Okay, how much do you want to borrow? Uh, 80% of that. I want to borrow 80%, put 20% down. The bank's going to say, that's great, as long as the appraisal shows it's actually worth that. All those banks could have had his properties appraised if they didn't trust him. But they clearly trusted him. So you've got a case, a political case, brought by Letitia James uh, that was based on fraud where there was no fraud, victim where there was no victim, dollar loss where there was no dollar loss, and where all the parties could have double-checked the valuations and chose not to. I mean, it's kind of a stupid situation. Let's go to uh, Josh. Hey, Josh, welcome to First Amendment Friday. What's on your mind? You know, I just had a question, or I was seeking kind of what you, you thought with Nikki Haley not dropping out of the uh, presidential um, primary. Yep. And um, with that, you know, the um, sore loser laws that exist in states. Now, I was looking on, on, you know, various websites saying, you know, these do not apply to presidential elections. And I've heard other people say otherwise. So I didn't know if you had any knowledge on if a sore loser would, law would allow to Nikki, apply to Nikki Haley where you know, she could, you know, try to jump on the independent ticket or something, anything to get on the ballot after, you know, losing this primary. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know. I know about the laws. They basically say if you run in the primary election you and then you lose, you can't run as an independent or some other party uh, to run again. Now, clearly, that's happened. It's happened in Alaska. It's happened in Mississippi. It's happened in other states where you have somebody who loses and then decides to run as an independent or some other party label. I don't know if it would apply to Nikki Haley at all, or at, at all, but you know why she's staying in the race, right? No, I don't. I actually okay. thought my I can, theory... I can, I can tell you why. People. I can tell you why. Imagine if in your hometown you had somebody running for mayor, but there were some people in the town with a lot of money who just hated that guy. And they said to you, Josh, Josh, we want you to run for mayor. And you said, I'm not going to win. They said, you don't have to win. We just want you to run against him, damage him as much as you can, make him spend as much money as he can against you. We want you to be basically a spoiler. And you said, well, how would I run for office? They said, don't worry. We'll provide you all the money you need to run your campaign. And you just run. And it'd be better if you won. But even if you don't win, you'll serve a purpose. That, I think, is the deal with the devil that Nikki Haley has cut. She's agreed to run in a race that she is virtually guaranteed to lose. And she's backed up by a bunch of people with money who are, they claim to be conservatives or Republicans, but they're really not. They, they can't stand Trump because Trump and his battle against the deep state and the corruption in government, that stands to cost them a lot of money. So they say, well, let's get a spoiler to go in and see if we can mess it up. That makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, politics is dirty. <laughs> it, it is very, and, and getting dirtier all the time. Let me tell you about what's going on in this case I mentioned. You walk into a store and they say, you will have this minder with you who's going to keep an eye on you to make sure you don't steal anything. Now, if a store told me that, I'd walk out the door. But in San Francisco, where they have stores that are going out of business right and left, major chains that are pulling out of the city, and why? Because there is such rampant theft in that city and many big American cities that stores are going out of business. So 
one San Francisco store that's been there for a while. I've never been in it, but it's called Fredrickson's Hardware and Paint. So it's a hardware store. They have put up a sign that announces that during certain hours, it will take customers one at a time, and they will be walked around the store to pick up what they want. And you know what it reminded me of? More than 30 years ago, I followed a charity group that was going to Russia to take medical supplies in as a, a charitable enterprise. They're called Medical Teams International. And we went to the Soviet Far East, Siberia, in the middle of either January or February. I can't remember what. All I remember is it was cold as anything outside. And uh, I, while we were there, the photographer and I, because I, I was working in TV, we went to a few stores. We went to grocery stores where... You could walk around and you wouldn't see anything necessarily. If you went to the front counter, the way you bought your groceries, you gave them a list of what you wanted. Two pounds of hamburger, a loaf of bread, a gallon of milk, whatever. You gave them the list. They tallied up the list. They collected the money from you. And then they went and got the goods. And if you say, well, that's crazy. That would never happen in America. Let me ask you, how do you buy gasoline? Do you remember when you used to be able to drive into a filling station, put the nozzle in the tank, fill up your tank, and then go in and pay? Can you name a place in America where you can still buy gasoline that way now? Or are all the places saying you pay first, you put the gas in your tank second? You're listening to The Lars Larson Show. The Lars Larson Show. Warning to Hamas at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference. If you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the program. It's a pleasure to be with you, especially on a First Amendment Friday. I got to ask you something. You remember when Donald Trump got impeached, not just once, but twice? Can you imagine what would have happened? Republicans were in charge of the Senate during Donald Trump's first impeachment trial. If the Republicans had simply said, you know what? I know the House has impeached Donald Trump. We refuse to hold a hearing. Can you imagine liberal heads exploding or spinning around or catching fire? I can. But now we've got the reverse situation. We've got uh, we've got a situation where the Democrats are in charge of the U.S. Senate. The House has voted to impeach, and he deserves it. The Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, and it doesn't sound like the Democrats have any inclination to hold a trial at all. So I thought I'd put it to our friend Laura Reese, who is a senior research fellow for Homeland Security at Heritage and former acting deputy chief of staff for the Department of Homeland Security. Ms. Reese, welcome back. Thanks for having me on. So is there a way to make sure that the Senate actually holds a trial? To dis I mean, if they hold the trial and the Democrats all want to vote and say, yeah, sure, my orcas didn't do anything wrong, I'm okay with that. But it sounds like they're going to avoid it altogether. Well, and that's exactly why the Democrats don't want to hold the trial, because they don't want to defend this guy. They know that he's indefensible, and they know they themselves have lost uh, faith and confidence in Secretary Mayorkas, and certainly the Americans have. Uh, so it comes down to a pressure campaign. A number of senators, Ted Cruz and others, have signed a letter to Chuck Schumer saying, hold the trial, a real trial, not a one-day circus trial. Um, and it's up to the American public to also call up Chuck Schumer and other senators and say, yes, we need a real trial. 
Because this administration has operated in such secrecy, the Americans deserve to see the evidence fully on display and have a lot of questions answered. Is there any other workaround to either uh, using parliamentary maneuvers to force some kind of action by Schumer? Or does this all come down to public pressure if that actually would change Schumer's mind? Yeah, I mean, my understanding is there's a few options. Uh, he could send it to a trial committee. He could table it, which kills it immediately. Um, or he can hold, you know, a, a brief trial on, on the floor. So um, those seem to be the options. And, but right now, we need to try and move Schumer off of just tabling it and holding a real trial and make those senators uh, gather the evidence, consider the evidence, and have Americans see it. Do you think, and you think public pressure might do the trick there? Um, I hope so. I mean, we, we need as many Americans calling up the Senate and telling them, yes, hold this hearing, we deserve it. Um, I mean, the other option is if this fails, uh, if there aren't enough votes, then the next strongest tool that Congress has is the power of the purse, and that is making sure that Congress doesn't fund the NGOs and the sanctuary cities, which are keeping this whole machinery running. And there are lots of data points where the NGOs are running out of money and begging for more. Uh, and it's really important that, that Congress not refill their coffers. You know, it's funny. The other day, Ms. Reese, uh, I saw Homeland Security claim that, because I've been saying it for a while, that when these illegals show up at the border, that in many cases they're given either a bus ride or an airplane ride elsewhere in America, and that that is funded uh, by the American taxpayer. Now, I think I know how, what they're doing. Homeland has said, no, no, we're not paying for it. Is it actually the truth that monies that are flowing, say, to the United Nations uh, are then going to NGOs, and the NGOs are actually buying the airplane tickets? Is that how they're able to claim with a straight face that American taxpayers are not paying for these airplane tickets to fly illegals all over the country? Well, the NGOs are buying the tickets, but the NGOs are getting federal grants through right. multiple departments. So there is... You know, hundreds of millions of dollars go flowing out of the State Department that goes to the UN International Organization of Migration, for example. So those go to the NGOs outside of the U.S. and they're setting up and and have set up quite an operation from northern South America all the way up to the U.S. border. Um, and there are other federal grants going to NGOs from. Department of Homeland Security through FEMA, for example, uh, from Health and Human Services, go the, um, they give federal grants to uh, NGOs that are responsible for sheltering and feeding uh, refugees and unaccompanied alien children. And then other federal grants go, go to Justice Department. So, so if, if yes, we ignore the American money system. laundering through State Department and other federal agencies and then through the NGOs, it's still laundered taxpayer money that's paying the cost. Yes, and in many instances, uh, we've, we're talking faith-based organizations like Catholic Charities and Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services, et cetera, et cetera. 
And now these these faith-based organizations have gotten so used to these federal grants that they lobby for more, and they receive more money from the federal government than they do church donations at this point. Um, so it's become quite a uh, industrial complex. Let me ask you something else. Let's assume that Schumer successfully blocks at tables that you know, has a simple majority vote and says we're not going to hear it. Are the Republicans capable? I understand this This might be a little outside the norm, but then again, shipping illegals to Martha's Vineyard was outside the norm, but it seemed to have an effect. Could the Republicans simply say, fine, we'll, <clears throat> we'll get a room and we'll hold a trial and we'll put the evidence on display and we'll do that uh, to, sh to tell the American public this is a trial that Chuck Schumer and the Democrats would not allow. Here's the evidence. You decide. Um, is there a way to do that? I know it's a PR move, but on the other hand, all of this communication is a PR move. Yes, and, and, and the House had that, that opportunity to do that type of trial that you're describing. Um, they, they went a, a different route. Uh, Chairman Mark Green did a five-part investigation. He issued multiple significant reports. He interviewed Border Patrol agents. He released those transcripts. Uh, he had hearings with you know, victims, families, et cetera. Um, they invited Secretary Mayorkas to come testify. He didn't. Uh, so I, I don't foresee, given that we're in late February and it's an election year and Biden is still quite eligible for impeachment, I don't see them spending their remaining time doing that. Do you think Biden's going to get impeached? Because I know they're making all the right motions, but they've dragged this process out forever. But between his other activities and the border, isn't there enough to meet the high crimes and misdemeanor standard? Oh, oh, absolutely. Bribery alone. I, I don't. I haven't even counted up the number of articles they could charge against Biden. Um, but they should absolutely do it. And yes, they are running out of time. Absolutely right, Laura. Thanks for the work you do at Heritage. We appreciate it, and thanks for your service at Homeland Security. Well, thanks for having me on. Thank you, ma'am. That's Laura Reese, who is a senior research fellow now at the Heritage Foundation in Homeland Security, former acting deputy chief of staff for the Department of Homeland Security. It's First Amendment Friday. Your phone calls and your emails are welcome at 866-HEY-LARS. That's 866-439-5277. You can send your emails to talk at LarsLarson.com. You can answer our poll question on X. Scientific articles says, hey, that uh, taboo against cannibalism that's old-fashioned are you ready to eat humans you can answer the question at lars larson show on x or on our website at larslarson.com me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges, but how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated. 
But the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com, view the videos, and then let the 1031 exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com. Some solid advice from Senator John Kennedy. Look, if you hate cops just because of cops, the next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. This is the Lars Larson Show. Welcome back to the Lars Larson Show. You know, I was so happy yesterday when that privately sponsored moon lander landed on the moon. And now just in the last little short bit, we've heard that it has fallen over. It's on its side, but it's alive and well. So now we have the Joe Biden of spacecraft. It gets to the moon. It lands and then it falls over, and it can't get back up. So there you go. Uh, apparently, that's not going to do Intuitive Machines, one of the main sponsors of that effort, uh, much good. But let me go to a naysayer first, as we always promise to do. Kevin, welcome to the program, and welcome to the Radio Northwest Network. Uh, what do you and I disagree about that makes you a naysayer? Lars, happy uh, First Amendment Friday. Glad to be here as well. So um, the, the last election cycle between Joe Kent and Jamie Herrera-Butler. Leading up to it, I called in, and we had a quick conversation about why you were supporting Joe Kent when the polls uh, were making it look like perhaps he wasn't or she wasn't going to win. And well, indeed, she, she didn't she did. win. She, she got and out then, of office, and she's and now it's uh, Marie Glusenkamp-Perez. Right, and yeah. and the polls also predicted that. But you said that you were going to go ahead and voted for who you wanted to vote for because the, that I was going to vote for the best candidate. I, I'm, I'm voting for the best candidate in that case. Yes, right. uh, that's so exactly now, what I do every election. I okay, I understand that, but the polls told you. Do you that, vote that based on the polls, good. Kevin? They were right. No, I didn't ask they that. They were right. Uh, let me see. Maybe you need your earwax cleaned out. Do you vote for who the polls say you should vote for so you can vote for a winner, or do you vote for the best candidate? I vote for the party. You do? You I just go party, party, straight party, all the way down? What no, if the well, party runs a knucklehead like Biden? Do you vote for or Biden? Like, or like Trump. Are you going to vote for Trump? Trump is the winner at this point. Trump, And by the way, uh, the polls on Trump say he's going to secure the nomination. And and he's going to beat Joe Biden. So if you're going to go by your I vote based on the polls, that's who you're going to vote for. Interesting naysayer. Kevin, thanks. Let's go to Janice. Janice, th sorry about the long wait. Uh, welcome to First Amendment Friday. Thank you. What's on your mind? So I'm very concerned about our elections in 2024. Um, the OCVR was... Uh, considered to be enough of a problem that the Secretary of State put forward a new contract with No Inc. And uh, that contract, according to the Gartner evaluations, which we pay a million dollars a year for to see that our contracts are being fulfilled properly, yep. um, uh, said that it was a no-go for 2024, and so they had to come up with, they said, with a minimal viable product. But as I'm going through these evaluations by Gartner, I'm just uh, flabbergasted at the problems. And we're due for a new report from them from the 1st of February, and it's not been posted yet. 
So I'm very, very frustrated, and I think we need to make sure that we can vote um, in the precinct uh, and have those hand counted just as a backup. And we, it, right now the Secretary of State has, uh, Shamia Fagan, before she left, not the current one, uh, said that the we corrupt one, Shamia Fagan? Yeah. yeah. And, and by the way, so, uh, you know that elections have been screwed up since uh, 2020 yes, you had Stephen Trout who headed up elections who wrote a warning letter to both of the candidates who are running for secretary of state saying this system is messed up you haven't fixed it and whoever comes in as the new secretary of state is going to need to fix it and that letter was given to both of the candidates before the decision was made by voters which won. We got corrupt Shamia Fagan, and then she ends up blowing up in office because she was literally taking bags of cash from that weed outfit called Lamoda. And the new Secretary of State, I think, is just doing whatever the Democrats tell her to do. What's that? Not only her, but others within the Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, basically, everybody on the Democrat side of the aisle was taking cash. Yep. So I think we really need to make sure that we have in place something that will work. Uh, there's a, a bill, House Bill uh, 1589, that uh, would put us back in the precinct with ID if it were to pass. It's stuck in committee, of course. They don't. The, it's they don't not going to get. It go it's forward. not going to get through. Not the Democrats aren't going to let it through. If they go back to any sensible voting system, they lose. They've been winning ever since vote by mail has been in place. They don't care that it's flawed. They engineer the results. And Janice, I mean, hope. You can hope in one hand and spit in the other one and see which one fills up first. Let's go to Jim in Bellingham, listening on KGMI and the Radio Northwest Network. Jim, it's First Amendment Friday. Right, What's well, on your mind? Somebody. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> Jim? Hello, I'm there. You're not there, though. What's on your mind? Hey, so on, um, well, like your, uh, that gal you just had on a little bit ago talking about Mayorkas and, and all that, you know, I never see anything happening to these Democrats. It didn't happen with the Steele dossier. You know, they went through all of this political grandstanding, similar like Jim Jordan and Comer and these guys, you know, they got Biden, they got Hunter and, and all of this. Nothing happens to them ever. I know. You know, you'll see Republicans look at January 6th. They put a bunch of people that are sitting in jail for trespassing. Yep. Yeah, you know, on the Democrat side, no, nothing ever happens. Fannie Willis, she got up in that courtroom, and it's like, my gosh, you know, the way she spoke in there, and there's a judge that donated to Well, not only that, but she appears to have committed perjury because she lied to the court about when her little affair began, that she was paying her boyfriend hundreds of thousands of dollars of taxpayer money. But I think Fannie Willis's goose is cooked about now. The rest of the Democrats, you know how that's going to go. They're not going to see justice, and neither are we. You got the Lars Larson the Lars Larson Show. With me on the phone today is David Moore with Equity Advantage. David, for more than 15 years, I've been telling my listeners about 1031 exchanges. But how do you explain it to customers? Well, Lars, 1031 exchanges are over 100 years old at this point. They allow people to exchange out of one property into another, keeping their equity intact. For example, let's say you own an apartment building and you'd like a larger one. You can sell the property, pay the tax, or you can do an exchange deferring all capital gains tax. Is it complicated? It can be complicated, but the exchange can be as simple as selling one property and buying another using the professionals at Equity Advantage. Would you like to learn more about 1031 exchanges? Then go to 1031exchange.com.
view the videos, and then let the 1031 Exchange professionals at Equity Advantage show you how it can work for you. You've worked hard for your money. Let Equity Advantage work hard to keep it yours. Visit 1031exchange.com.